One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the gang. You know, the one you never asked to be a part of. You are listening to The Grief Gang Podcast with me, your host, Amber Jeffrey. This podcast has been created to tackle the tough but important conversations around grief with authenticity, realness, and having a laugh whilst we're at it. Look, we're all going to experience grief at some point in our life, in some way or another. So it's good to talk about it, so that it's not much of a nightmare when it comes knocking at our doors. Grief can be incredibly lonely and isolating, but you don't have to feel lonely alone. On this podcast, you will hear various different stories and experiences, ones that will uplift you, inspire you, break your heart, mend your heart, and get you asking yourself some big questions. Some of these stories on my own, some are from the wonderful growing Grief Gang community, and some are from the incredible guest interviews. You will most likely cry. (laughs) I hope somewhere along the line you can get a giggle in. But I promise you, you will learn something. I haven't got a clue what you'll take away, but I know you will take away something. So this might be weird to say given the context, but happy listening. Boy, oh boy, do I have an interesting episode for your ears today. I'm actually so, so excited to share this episode with you today, like, because it's been a topic that, like, it's been well sought after, but very, like, discreetly. (laughs) Am I being a bit mysterious, don't you say? Today, Grief Gang, we are talking all things grief and sex. Have your shoulders just gone up and you've just gone, because you're not alone in that. And there's no shame in recoiling a little bit and just going a bit tense when you hear those two words together. Trust me, 
I did the same and probably will still continue at some point in my life. Anyhow, I received a, um, a month or two ago a lovely, lovely email that I do read out in this episode from a listener who needed some help within their sex life and grief. And it was so, as I read it, and as I say in this episode, it was so relatable and felt like I was just sat across the table with a girlfriend and she was just like offloading and just sharing. And I was like, I knew reading this email that, and I did know anyway, that this was a topic that so many people can relate to and will have their own experience, but maybe just don't know how to say it out loud that they are experiencing this. And so I thought, right, Amber, to task now you need to do an episode on grief and sex. And I think, to be honest, guys, by the end of this episode, it's not going to be the last. But I knew that I just didn't have the qualifications or more the nuanced experience and just to really do this episode justice. Therefore, I put a call out on Grief Gang for any recommendations for any professionals in the space. And I did a bit of my own research and a through both my own research and, and my own following and who I follow and engage with, I found Kate Moyle. And so Kate Moyle is a registered psychosexual and relationship therapist and a certified psychosexologist. And so when I found Kate, I was like, bingo. And so lovely as well, a lovely listener, um, Amy, who also knows Kate, recommended her too. And I was like, this is it. It's meant to be. It's meant to be Kate. And so in this episode today, Kate uh, really, for me, I've, I've walked away from this recording my shoulders much more firmer down and just I'd say like answers to questions which we do we we obviously we're answering some of your questions today that you so kindly wrote in about your sexual well-being your sexual health your relationships towards sex both with yourself and with your partners um and just opening that conversation I really hope today that if anything from this whether you know if you found answers or just you know curiosity answered that it's maybe just got you thinking about your sexual relationship not only with yourself and with a partner and how I think the biggest thing here of how potentially uh, as Kate says very on early in the episode of how when potentially the societal norms of what sex has been imposed on us, we're not meeting them, that we often look internally and go, well, something's wrong with me. But actually being able to welcome into the space of, but could this be actually something externally? And what can I do to help that, to change that, to accept that, whatever it may be? It's really, really fucking interesting. And so I hope you enjoy it. Kate is amazing. Kate is also the host of her amazing podcast um, that I'm going to pop in the show notes as well. And we speak about in there. And she also um, provides some recommendations throughout the episode of some books, some other podcasts too, to listen to for you to just get started talking about sex. Well, hello, Kate. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Grief Gang podcast. I'm so, so glad that we have got this in the diary because this has been a very, very well sought after <laughs> topic of interest with the Grief Gang community. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Thank you. I'm really pleased to be here. I think it's a massive topic that we don't really hear being talked about ever, really. I think people feel it's so taboo. 
totally and then having well grief already feels like a taboo topic is a taboo topic itself and then throwing in sex too it's just like people are really in between a rock and a hard place there Mm. and it's just as we're saying of everyone has some sort of experience of this however they portray it but just nobody really wants to talk about it it's so hard getting any people anyway to sit down with one another and talk about their grief and then going and how's your sex life as well? And going, oh my God, no, that's too fucking much. Like, that is too much for me <laughs> right now. Um, but before we get into what initially, what and why sparked this episode from my wonderful, wonderful community who just keep me always invigorated and on my toes, um, would you mind just telling the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do in your line of work, please? So my name is Kate Moyle. I am a psychosexual and relationship therapist, also a psychosexologist, and I host a podcast called The Sexual Wellness Sessions. And really my job is that I'm a a psychotherapist, a talking therapist who specializes in working with pretty much anything to do with sex. Mm. So it's a specialist branch of psychotherapy. And that's because it's really needed and we we do need this specific space to have these conversations because they're so difficult yeah. for so many people to have and it could be anything from grief and sex to sexual dysfunctions to sexual trauma infertility lack of desire struggling with dating um sexual anxiety really the list kind of can go on and on and on mm. it's any struggles that we have with sex Mm. and how those show up for us. And a big part of my job I often describe is helping people to work out what sex means to them and then how they build their relationship with sex. Because one of the biggest things is that we all kind of get given this definition of sex when we're probably too young really to think about it and we never question it. Mm -hmm. And then when sex stops working for us, we think we're the problem. Yeah rather than that everything else is the problem. And we have a pretty dysfunctional, not perfectly working sexual culture. Yeah. And that is why so many people struggle with sex. Yeah, we have been fed this narrative of what we should believe to be true about sex. And then so when it doesn't go against our societal normal construct of it, we go, well, something's wrong with me. And so much in the questions that we have received today are so Mm. reflective on well, it's me, like something is wrong with me and maybe not looking circumstantial. So I think today is going to be so brilliant. And I just know you're going to just dish out some words of wisdom, but just give clarity to people just to understand their relationship with sex and kind of, I feel like this is going to be a real, yeah, like smashing through taboo kind of topics. People are going to be like, oh my God, we're really going through it today on this episode. Well, I think that the biggest taboos we have are sex money and death Mm -hmm. and they all are so interrelated and there's such a such an intensity when you bring up any of those topics Mm. and you can you can see people's body language changes when those subjects get introduced or they they change you know they they stop making eye contact or they kind of change the subject and it's such a fascinating dynamic because they're all things that we have to interact with in our lives in some way, but we just haven't quite caught up. Yeah, in terms figured of out how, how we want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And before I get into the email that was sent, um, 
how in your career in your length of career how often have and have on are you seeing people who are bereaved coming to you um, for help within their sex lives and their relationship with sex it's definitely there a bit and Mm -hmm. what I would say is that it might not be the reason that people come for psychosexual therapy or Mm -hmm. think that is playing a role in why they're there or why they've sought out therapy. But when we start working together, it might be apparent that actually a grief or a loss has played a bigger role than they Mm -hmm. thought. Yeah. And whether that's to do with the fact that we don't have these conversations, so people don't make those connections very obviously or very clearly, or that it's something very painful to recognize, or it feels like sex and grief shouldn't be attached to each other in yeah. any way yeah. and so if someone kind of admitted that to themselves then they would feel like that was I don't know let's use the word that I hear lots of people say like wrong or yeah. how you know how can these two areas of my life which are so different be connected mm-hmm. um so I think that it, it is definitely there and I interviewed on my podcast Julia Samuel mm. about this and the, fasc- the conversation I had with her was absolutely fascinating because she was saying it's not something she doesn't shy away from yeah Oh, Julia doesn't shy away from anything. (laughs) No, she does not. Um, And I loved hearing her perspective on sex, masturbating, dating, pleasure, orgasms, and how she'd come across it from the other side. Yeah. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Um, so I'm just going to read into the love the email came from a lovely listener. I'm going to call her G, just for um, anonymity in case. Um, but this is initially what sparked it off. Grief and sex being something that was always in the back of my head to talk about on the episode, but on the podcast. But I just thought, how to? There is it's so nuanced, and my experience and my story is only like one percent. So to really do it justice, so this lovely listener sent this in, and the way she's written it, I was just belly laughing. <laughs> she went, "Hello, Amber." I hope you are well. I've been an avid listener of the podcast um, since I became a member of the Dead Mum Club back in March 2022. Your work has given me such joy, tears and laughter, most importantly, the feeling of being seen. I cannot thank you enough. Um, The loss of my mum has deeply affected me. I feel my life has been on pause ever since she passed and my mind often lets me believe she is still just away on an extended holiday or better yet, she's won the lottery faked her own death and will one day reappear beside me at a bar on a sunny island a girl can dream 
I throw myself into trying to understand the impact the grief has had on me, the symptoms both mentally and physically that we all experience. But there is one thing that has been impacted longer than I anticipated, my fucking sex life. Yes, I'm desperately trying to make sense as to why my body still isn't working the way it used to. I've been in a relationship with my boyfriend for two and a half years and he is extremely understanding and patient with me. He's been my rock and our relationship is amazing. But with Marie having to be so dramatic as to die on me like that, we've had a rough 11 months of me being all over the place and sex being the last thing on my mind. Because, you know, all that fucking grief. But I'm now starting to become worried that I'll never be horny again. Lol, yes, I know. TMI. No, it's not. (laughs) This is the reason I come to you, Amber. I need to know if other listeners have also found their grief to impact their sex life. And if so, how do I fix it? I need to know I'm not crazy or broken or hurling towards joining a convent. (laughs) so much. I figure I'm in the depression stage of the stupid stages of grief, which, by the way, was a load of shite words out of my mouth i'm hoping that soon i'll be feeling more like myself and my hormones will start working normally again but after extensive research i just want some answers i was thinking this might be a good idea for a podcast episode and she goes on sent some lovely words so that is what initially sparked this and what an email right like i feel like she really kind of set the scene there yeah, that was from Lovely G who started off this this conversation and therefore I asked the wider Grief Gang audience to share some some questions and they really came, they're very, very varied, um, some with a bit more detail and for us to really get into. So we'll start off because we want to try and get through as many as possible. So one of our first questions from the Grief Gang audience is, Does grieving make people engage in unsafe or casual sex more frequently? Oh, I feel like I've got so much to say. Um, I think that first, that first email, I just thought when I was listening to you say it, God, how relieved so many people must be to hear that because I'm not surprised by anything I've heard in that email. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just think, that it must be so normalizing for people to hear that they're not the only ones. Um, I, I really was kind of like furiously nodding along with you as you were reading it out. Yeah. Um, it was really, didn't that email really feel like you were sitting across yeah. it with your girlfriend? Yeah. Really just like sitting across. That's why I loved it so much. I really felt like I was sat with my friend. She's like my fucking sex life. Mm-hmm. Like, what is wrong? What is going on? It really felt human and just like very real. A girl yeah. who's gone. I'm I'm, a, I'm I'm at odds here now. Like, please, someone help me. Like, mm-hmm. I just need to figure it out. I think that's what it is. So, um, thank you so much to G and the way she wrote it was just phenomenal. Um, totally. And also, you know, definitely not broken. Do not need to mm-hmm. be signing up to go to a convent just yet either um so broken I think broken is such a massive feeling that so many of us feel in our sex lives and it goes back to where we started this conversation which is oh the problem must be me rather Mm -hmm. than that the problem is our our sex around us you know the kind of umbrella of sex as it exists in our lives and I think that broken it's just a word I hear all the time. Am I broken? Um, I must be broken. I feel broken. And mm-hmm. you're not on um, the one thing that I would say that's going to relate to all of these conversations. And then I will um, 
answer the question you just asked is that sex is in context. Sex is not this existing on its own protected part of our lives. It is in the Mm -hmm. context of everything that we do feel are, and it is going to be affected by all of those things. It's just that we've always treated it as something separate. And Mm -hmm. we know that there is a bi-directional relationship between sex and the rest of our lives because our mental health affects our sex and our sex affects our mental health and our physical health Mm -hmm. has a role. So in all of the the ways that I'll answer these questions, we'll talk about sex as something biopsychosocial. So biology, psychology, and social kind of cultural environmental factors all influencing sex. Um, And the kind of the, the casual sex question, I think it's completely person dependent which is going to be the answer for all of these questions I think for some people when they experience loss there is a sense of wanting just to push the fuck it button and you experience a loss and so what you want to feel is alive and you want to feel that you are you know as far from death as possible and pleasure Mm -hmm. is one of the best ways and being connected to other people is one of the 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 ways that we most achieve this, the way we feel most alive. And I think mm-hmm. that there, there can be that side of it, which is I need to feel intensely here and sex would be a good way for me to feel like I'm getting that. And mm. the other thing can be sometimes a, a feeling like a lack of caring, which is perhaps sometimes when we're having sex in a way which is maybe less good for us, which is you know, I don't care. I don't give a shit. I'm just going to do whatever I want. doesn't matter if I put myself in situations that might not necessarily be mm-hmm. good for me or are riskier. Um, we, we take risks with ourselves. So things like our sexual health, you know, think about the contraceptive choices or partners yeah. that perhaps aren't good for us when we are afloat emotionally mm-hmm. or when we feel like we are not anchored or we are struggling yeah. And so there can be different reasons for why, but some people might experience a complete loss of interest of sex, a complete detachment from lots of things, sex being one Mm -hmm. of many, and a detachment from other people, a sense of wanting to be on their own, you know, feeling isolated or like they want to be isolated. And other people Mm -hmm. can go completely the other way. And aside from grief, how we have a relationship with sex is going to be something that plays into that. So for some people, Emily Nagoski talks about this in her book, Come As You Are, that 80 to 90% of people, when they're stressed, desire drops, interest in sex drops. But for 10 to 20% of people, their desire for sex increases. And so I think we we can think that there might be factors about how, what sex means Mm. to us or how we use it to cope or not that might be also playing a part in that when we're grieving a lot of the time we can feel really numb Mm. and so what that might mean is that we are having sex and feeling like we're not feeling anything and that that becomes almost a symptom of our numbness or that we we have sex to feel to kind of show ourselves that we can still feel to feel something Mm. yeah I think that's a really yeah that really quite speaks just to feel something at all you you kind of you do feel quite for some feel quite void of just feeling anything mm. like you it, potentially maybe you may not have maybe cried at your bereavement yet and maybe thinking why have I not shed a tear or expressed it in that way so you may you may then start seeking casual maybe unsafe just to be like can I 
can I feel anything mm-hmm. like emotionally void of anything for this partner, whether it's a in a in a committed relationship or casually? Can I feel anything? So you make just explore and mm. keep and maybe what the detriments potentially could that might be. It's really interesting. In a way kind of testing yourself. Yeah. The fuck it button, it is. I that fuck it button for me was definitely pushed quite a lot. Um our next question. My partner died 10 months ago and now all I can think about is having sex. I don't think I want a relationship now as I'm still grieving, but casual sex seems so complicated and foreign to me. How do I navigate this? Mm, That's such a big question, isn't it? And I think it's, Mm. I guess I'd be wondering about what uh, our motivations for sex. So one of my favorite pieces of research found that there's 237 reasons for why people said they had sex it was um, a paper that showed that there were things like my favorite reason was to stay warm, um, but whether it's kind of <laughs> mate guarding, so my partner um, won't go and have sex with someone else because I want to feel love, because I want to show love, because someone was attractive, yeah. because I wanted an orgasm, because I wanted to sleep better. Um, it, all of these things um, could be. So we know that the reasons for sex don't have to just be because I want to have sex. And I wonder if for this person, what the motivation is, is it to feel connected to someone again? And I would just say there's nothing wrong with having casual sex, providing you do it carefully or in a way that looks after yourself. And I think that those Mm -hmm. things that we mentioned earlier, so things that we might not be thinking about kind of in in the consciousness of our kind of awareness, but also if we have been in a long-term relationship with a partner is contraception. So how do we make sure yeah. that we at least protect ourselves in terms of our sexual health? But Definitely. how are we meeting people if we are meeting people for the first time, maybe telling a friend or a family member that mm-hmm. where we're going or who we're seeing so that we have an accountability yeah. because we are more vulnerable when we are grieving. And yeah. I suppose the flip side of that is also, do we need someone else to get some of these things, you know, is this where solo pleasure and self-pleasure can really come into their own and help us to feel connected to ourselves and connected with pleasure and our own bodies when, and when we feel more ready to then invite someone else into that, that might be the next stage. Because again, my mind's not even thinking of that solo of welcoming that into the room first. Yeah. And, and pleasuring yourself first and really liked what you said there of kind of, um, from what I was reading of this of kind of when they said I don't think I want a relationship Mm. and as you reeled off there there's multiple reasons is that yeah she can acknowledge or she or he can acknowledge you know that they don't want a relationship so what is your motivator in this maybe it is you just want to keep warm you just want to have that skin to skin Mm -hmm. contact and just have somebody being in the bed with you so guess maybe like right getting down what your motivators are like what are your actual what do you think your real whys are? Mm. But also that is one of the things that people who, if they've experienced the loss of a partner, do really admit. The thing that I hear again, time and time again, is having someone in bed next to me. That's such a, yeah. it's not always about the sex, but just like a, the physical presence of a body next to me. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people really feel that incredibly intensely. And yeah. I would so think talking to your friends or someone, you know, a trusted person who's close to you could help you to untangle some of this here because you have been through a huge loss of your partner really recently. Mm. 
And it's okay, I think, to admit these things, but you might feel in some way that there is a timeline. You know, we're obsessed with timelines. When is a good time to move on? How long should I leave it? How long should um, my grief last? When When is appropriate? And I think that having a conversation with someone who you love and loves you, who you can trust to have that conversation would be probably really mm-hmm. helpful here. And someone who also then can kind of keep an eye out for you in order that you're if you are going out and having sex with new partners, doing it in a way which means you're treading carefully in terms of your own emotional self-care, you're kind of looking after your own emotions because there also might be, well, there is probably a risk when we're vulnerable of becoming more attached to people quickly. And those people Mm -hmm. might not be in the same headspace as us, particularly if, you know, we're using apps where people do, you know, casually dating and things like that. That really reminded me just um, thinking of, I don't know if you've read it or heard of it, is this, there was this uh, article by, I remember the surname, I think it was a lady called Aljar Pinto and she was widowed and she basically started documenting and recording after her husband died. She was having casual sex and it was almost, it was very like uh, Sex in the City, the way Carrie kind of blogged mm. and just, she would refer to some sexual partners of just like bald man with like mole on his head. Like just, it just all these, she was documenting it and the horror like from some people in her life and then the real empowering of some people in her life was really interesting and 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 stuff like that but she was keeping friends this was kind of her way of keeping the friends who were like empowering or quite you know welcoming and forthcoming for her to explore this Mm. part of her life if she so wanted to um so i'd highly recommend that article i'll probably pop it in the show notes i'll take it 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 it. it was it was it's quite funny it was she's i think there was a, maybe over like the, over 50 plus like encounter it's over like a two year span but the real the the difficulty of when with family and friends and their timelines projecting mm. onto you of like so for this person as well pretend you know that fear that fear potentially of wanting to tell friends or family members you know I want to explore potentially this you know this area of my life I miss this area of my life and then projecting their own timelines onto you that's the part I think especially with people who are widowed mm. have that real I feel like definitely different for like for me it could be my mum died if I was kind of like I don't know wanted to say to my friends oh, I'm just I really want to explore I want to get back kind of in the game again or whatever but someone who's widowed they might come with a bit of a frown and people like, hmm. And I think it's like the difference there. And I think you mentioned something there, which we haven't mentioned, which is the stage of life that you're at. And actually Julia Mm. and I did an an Instagram live last week and this came up. She was saying how she has been having conversations a lot with people who are widowed later in life and who are having to date using apps and things like that in a way that they never had to before or when they started their dating relationships and how they're experiencing ghosting and how ghosting is, you know, a a rejection and almost a mini loss. So we're already in this loss space and this grieving space and then we're being ghosted and that can compound how we're already feeling. But also I think Mm -hmm. that our priorities might be different depending on what stage we're at. If we've lost a partner young and we were hoping to Mm -hmm. have children or have a family, we might be thinking, particularly if we are, um, uh, a woman or someone assigned female at birth and we want to have children we're thinking okay I am my time is precious here mm-hmm. so 
if I've lost one part of my life, but I don't want to lose another part, what does that look like? Whereas people who are yeah. postmenopausal or have had their children or are in a different stage of their life, their priorities also might be different. And I think there's yes. huge amounts of pressure that come with every stage. Yeah, that's actually really interesting of that. Yeah, because I've no idea how old this, this person is who wrote in of, of yeah, applying that for some, that feeling of that biological clock mm. ticking of like okay my partner has died but I still want this part of my life mm. and kind of that, those conflicting feelings potentially of I want this but maybe I'm not feeling ready to potentially open up to if I want to go yeah. down a traditional route of finding a partner and starting a family that way or looking at more um different ways mm -hmm. of you know potentially IVF on their own whatever it may be adoption um so yeah, it's all the afterthoughts and the yeah. after losses. Because it's There's a loss, different layers. You think hmm, it's a loss of a potential. Yeah. You know, that's what loss so much is of, isn't it? It's a loss of the future, a loss of potential. Mm. And I think that the the kind of middle stage, I suppose, between those two um, life stages is people with children or young children. You know, how mm. are we able to be sexual and date with our children in the house? Yeah. Because that mm. can be, a if we're a single parent, we can't stay yeah. out all night or we can't bring people back to our house because that would be mm. in some way risky. So there are also a lot of life context, physical barriers yeah. to having sex a lot of the time. Our next one. What a topic. As a woman who's always found sex painful, where can I get help? Are there any qualifications you should look for in a sex therapist? I'd never thought it might be connected to my grief until this, but I can imagine it plays a part. So that this is the question I was thinking of that tied really well to this and thinking, well, I didn't think it was that, mm. but potentially and just being open to that as well. So, yeah, is there any specific qualifications this person should look for? Yes. So in the UK, you there is a directory on the website, which is COSRT, so the College of Sexual and Relationship Therapists. So there's a directory of therapists who are specifically sexual, psychosexual and relationship qualified I would say a psychosexual therapist is where you need to be if sex is painful because it will just give you the space to talk about all of that with someone who's entirely comfortable having those conversations. And mm -hmm. the reasons that sex might be painful are numerous. And so if, for example, you are someone who has a condition called vaginismus, which is an involuntary tightening of the muscles around the vagina, which makes mm -hmm. penetration painful. So it could be penetration, not just sex, but tampon use, fingers, sex toys, smear yeah. tests. We know that this is what we describe as primarily a psychosomatic condition. And so if we are feeling tense, anxious, scared, we tense up, which is a natural bodily reaction. And this can make it worse. And this can mm -hmm. become a cycle as penetration is then more painful and then we anticipate pain more because it was painful last time and so then we tense yeah. in anticipation of the pain and so we know that the cycle continues so that's an mm. example there are lots of other reasons that sex might be painful mm. endometriosis being one um vulvodynia um whether it's to do with having had infections people with repeated uti infections or someone yeah. a group that i see a lot um pelvic floor dysfunction but i think that we can understand that this is all interrelated. One might not have caused the other, 
But for me as a therapist, I often talk to my clients about how we're looking for layers rather than one big answer for why. The big pinpoint, Mm -hmm. yeah. We're looking for the kind of different things in your life which might be contributing to where you're at. But I would definitely say for this person then, someone with a a specific psychosexual therapy training would probably be really helpful. Um, Be best to start with. mm -hmm. Brilliant. Um haven't had sex since my dad died four years ago as grief made me feel so horrible what can I do to feel better about my body and sex in general that's a massive question isn't it um yeah I guess I was because in that one it's throwing in body well it's all it's all related isn't it again it's all yeah body too yeah and I guess I was thinking you know if we took the grief part out of that question I think it's a question Mm. that a lot of people have um and feeling horrible I don't know that feels really visceral doesn't it It feels really that that phrase feels really strong I think that one of the things is about us getting comfortable with our bodies and Mm. I don't know what it is for this person that's making them feel specifically horrible but it's that how we see ourselves how we feel about ourselves is body image sexual self-confidence whether we go for a kind of body positive approach or a body neutral approach. It's how we feel about ourselves is the key to then how we feel about ourselves in front of somebody else. And so I'd say to this person, it's about connecting with yourself physically and not necessarily sexually first, but just building a sensual relationship with yourself again. So there are some really Mm. amazing, um, kind of basic mindfulness exercises which can help you to kind of get into your body because we're when we're in our head and our thoughts we're distracted we're preoccupied we're not feeling physically as much because Mm. our brain is driving our attention to what's going on in our heads and so I think how we learning how to just even build a sensual relationship with self which might just be something like touching kind of all over your body or moisturizing all over your body when you get out of the shower just Mm. giving yourself 10 minutes and just noticing how your body feels these are really basic things or just lying with your hands on yourself for even a couple of Mm. minutes a day because also when we don't have sex for a while or we're avoiding sex or anything to do with it we back away from anything that might potentially lead to it and so we kind of pull away from anything really to do with sex And so that can then feel like such a bigger bridge to cross rather than if something's been more recent. And I often say that it's the time it hasn't been almost becomes the kind of primary problem in itself rather than the fact that we haven't been having sex. It's actually that the time we haven't had sex will becomes the bigger problem than the fact we haven't had it for us. That's how we feel about it. Um, Yeah. But I would say there's so many amazing podcasts experts talking about sex um I this is not me just plugging my own podcast but I've interviewed lots of people who I think are amazing voices <laughs> in the space but listening to podcasts with someone like Dr Karen Gurney she's on Instagram as the sex mm. go- doctor she's the biggest kind of leading voice in desire um Emily Nagoski is brilliant she wrote literally the, the kind of cult book come as you are but starting to mm. listen to what people are saying because you can listen to different perspectives and ideas about sex without having to do anything and taking away that pressure to do anything can help you to start thinking about things differently and start you to take kind of control over it again and 
as totally and just on that of learning the language of kind of just mm. you know you don't have to go jump into right into the deep end first and potentially start with, with or be the big things first as you said like that big bridge like this bridge is getting a bit bigger now like okay where to even begin to start putting mm-hmm. one step in front of the other to get over it um I'd say that's a better yeah, way just, to do things actually is yeah break things down into small manageable baby steps because also what we do is we build up more sustainable changes for ourselves, but our brain becomes responsive to anything to do with sex and we have that anxiety reaction. And so then Mm. avoiding is how we best manage anxiety, whereas we have to slowly approach the source of our anxiety to become comfortable with it again and for us to also learn and for our brain to learn that what we thought was scary and threatening isn't actually so so scary yeah and to teach it and if like if you do end up back in this scenario again in this this state of mind of knowing that we put the steps and the necessary steps in place implemented them to know that we will we will get through this we'll get over this bridge and there'll probably be more bridges for us to overcross here but yeah definitely starting out with yes some of those resources just to I think as well, just to even as well, potentially for this person, just hear people talking about mm-hmm. it, just to hear people actually actively talking about it, because maybe for this person, it's, you know, they've written him, it's probably the first time they're potentially expressing it. So actually getting comfortable with hearing people talking about their sexual well-being and, and embarking on that. And so just getting comfortable with it and starting and know it, there's a, it's a journey ahead, but that you, mm. you will do. And that the overwhelm, um, the kind of overarching theme of sex anyway is it's uncomfortable to talk about. So that's kind of there as the Mm. foundation, as the basic. And so remembering that also you're kind of already in that context just as a person existing in the world. And so that is a really common feeling. I think that sometimes we we forget that that is the kind of general, the general sense when it comes to Yeah, not alone in kind of the the high shoulders and the, oh, okay, like not everyone's listening in and going, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> everyone might be like oh yeah okay getting yeah. to grips with this getting to grips like it's a journey but it's it might hopefully help and and trying different things maybe reading reading or podcasting or workshops maybe you'll find your method of what mm. really speaks to you and comes through to you i find yeah um okay i'm gonna do these last two hmm one of them I really want to because when it came in I went oh my god right, that's me and you're definitely speaking to my inner like dark secret that I was like fuck um but I'll leave that till last okay second to last one how the hell do you cope with the feelings that your body is shriveling up without the loving touch and deeply satisfying sex you enjoyed with your now dead husband having no one want you is hard to face especially as you are getting older feeling like no one would ever want me again this really tugged on my heart yeah I think there's there's so much in that and again one of the big things I think we have there is a an underlying societal message which is that Mm -hmm. particularly women as they get older are less desirable and that's something that we see the menopause community are really pushing back against and doing amazing work on and I think something that we are changing and it's for a start it's just you know, most of us know that it's not true. I look at mm-hmm. so many kind of older women with such awe and amazement. And, yeah. um, but I think that we do have, there's such an ingrained message, which is that youth is desirable. And, you know, whether mm-hmm. we're talking about grief or not, is that is a huge part of that, that it's further away from 
death I don't know um but Mm. I think that those messages are strong and I think that for this instance I think it's probably a way a lot of people feel and it goes back to that first point we said about often relationships with others are the things that make us feel alive and love is something that makes us feel alive and Mm. if it's not specifically about sex I'd say it's about finding love in other ways so the people that so spending time with the people that love you friends family those connections and seeing if you can get something from Mm. a hug a platonic hug or a connection with someone and then also building on that relationship with yourself so that sensual sexual relationship with self in order to kind of make you feel like there is something there which you can then when you feel ready to if you feel ready to invite someone else into Mm. and I think that we we can that kind of power of human connection can come in a in a platonic form and the power of a hug and also there's neurochemical releases that we get from touch so oxytocin Mm. boost from a hug and we forget that those things can have not it might not feel such an intense experience Mm. Or that we won't feel the strength of that bond in the same way, but they can offer us a, a little something. Yeah, it is something, and kind of if it's yeah, I think I think it was actually Julia that said I read somewhere she might put a video up of is it something like hugging for about twenty seconds does something? It's a specific timing. It was something, and I read that and I thought it's so simple but so effective, and mm. kind of how we may um disregard because it's just not like an elaborate it's not an elaborate maybe act of love and act of care and kind of but that, I think that's what's so great about it mm. sometimes so that it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be big. sexual and have a big build up towards having this big sexual moment anything like that um can just be hugging your friend yeah and that and that can give you that connection that you that you knew you needed, but you didn't maybe know you could have um, experienced it in that form, Mm. platonically. And it's why a lot of people describe having pets as very therapeutic Mm. a lot of the time, because although it's not a person, it is a living creature. And that there is quite a reciprocal relationship in that, in a way. And I know that sounds really strange and it's in no way um, saying that that's, that's the kind of best route to dealing with these feelings, but it is just something that I've noticed that people describe is mm. how there is also a, a living, you know, if it's a dog, for example, a living for someone else or getting into a routine mm. because of another thing that you care for. But I think that yeah. also just sharing how you're feeling again with someone who's close to you can allow you to feel heard because when we're feeling that way, if we keep it to ourselves and we internalize it, we do tell ourselves that, we're undesirable or unattractive or never going to find love again or never going to have sex again because there's no external input there's no one Mm -hmm. questioning those things and I think probably if you spoke to someone who loves you and you love they would tell you something different or offer you a different perspective Mm -hmm. but when it's us on our continual self-talk loop we yeah. we just we just take ourselves down the spiral. We don't we don't ever say actually. Do you know what? Maybe I could be wrong, or maybe there might be another yeah. way. Because we are 
well, if we're grieving, we're struggling and we're suffering quite a lot, but also yeah. that's the way that we as humans work. We're self-critical. And especially within grief, that of, of that inner critic and that inner, like, I feel like I said, we're sometimes are our own worst critiques, obviously. Mm. And especially in grief there and this person's situation of being bereaved by, yeah, after the, the husband died of, after when you bereave, sometimes you feel like you're really not worthy of joy too mm-hmm. and joyful experiences so then throwing in well no like no I'm, I don't deserve to be desired or anybody to look at me because my husband has died and they're not here mm. or I should be this depiction of what a widow looks yeah. like I shouldn't even be thinking about wanting to be desired and that um I definitely struggled with that of just that feeling of not deserving mm-hmm. to have happiness and to have joy and to have pleasure and just to go, you need to live in a perpetuant state of shit yeah. <laughs> because your mum is not here. She is dead and she doesn't get to live. So why do you, mm. why do you, why do you? And that was the cycle for me yeah. for a long time. I think our brains went to the same place there because I was just thinking about this idea of survivor's guilt and how mm. oh, yeah. we, know that Esther Perel talks about this, how her parents were um, Holocaust survivors. And she talks about how in their community, they saw the people that survived and the people that lived Mm -hmm. and how those two kind of groups of people, their approaches to life were different. Yeah. And I think it's always, I've always thought of it as a really kind of beautiful, um, a really beautiful way of describing that but I think that there is that element of that, which is also, I didn't think my life was going to look like this and I didn't ever plan on having to be desirable to anyone else again or dating again or just also the how do I do this? Yeah. And a lot of that, and what you just described, is all built up in guilt and shame and shame is a really silencing emotion mm you know, guilt, we feel bad for something we've done, shame, I feel bad for people, how people see me. And we know that shame thrives in silence and that is Mm -hmm. very, very linked to sex. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's got me thinking. (laughs) I'll be thinking about this for the rest of the afternoon. (laughs) And the last one that I'm showing my arse with by saying, yes, absolutely, I agree and have been there. Thinking about a loved one during sexual acts, but not in a sexual way, mind just wandering to them into the abyss, mm. help. And I was like, oh my God, because I was like, I've never unearthed this. And I thought I was like, oh no, because in them, not so much for me sort of now, but in those very early, because just all encompassed mm. by it, I would be being sexual with my partner and just in the pocket, I'd just be like, oh my mum died and then I was like whoa back in the room girl like you is this where we're at right now so is this do you know what I'm gonna say is is this a normal thing to experience (laughs) I think normalizing it is gonna be a big part of this our mind wanders all the time and when we're in you know particularly like thick you know in the thick of grief and loss that person's on our mind all the time. Everything reminds us yeah. of them. You know, we can we can find evidence for them and our connection to them anywhere from anything. Mm. And 
our minds wandering in sex is a very common thing as well. And I think that there's probably an element of normalizing this, which is just that it's not really a surprise if they're mm. on your mind all the time, just because you're doing something different, whether it's supermarket shopping or having sex, that it's not really, it's not really a surprise that they might sneak in. I think the thing to be cautious of if this does happen to you is not making it such a massive deal as in isn't okay. guilting yourself for having had that thought isn't shaming mm. yourself for having that thought because what that will do is then if it happens again you will have a really a more intense emotional reaction to it and mm. I think this is where the helping ourselves to be less distracted in sex techniques so things like mindfulness sex techniques um so yeah. focusing on the senses and what's happening in our body trying to allow the thoughts to kind of come and go without judgment and self-criticism that is one of the biggest mm. factors here is yeah they're going to be helpful but also I think just allowing yourself to just kind of know that your mind is going to wander and that this person is your loss is so present in your mind and impacting everything and sex mm. is in the middle of your everything yeah and it's almost like of how um when you said there about in the supermarket or you're doing whatever it may be like I would never berate myself for mm-hmm. like especially in like in meditation like in meditation I've tried it and my mind would wander to my mum many a times and just wonder to wherever it would be mm. but do I give myself as much as a hard mm-hmm. time for thinking about her then absolutely not just only when I was in the bedroom I thought oh again what is wrong with me of just actually going your mum's just died babe and like it is it's in every minute and window of your life. So yes, when you're having sex and you're enjoying it, don't be, and I think that's definitely not give yourself such a hard time. Mm. I think I absolutely gave myself, I thought, does this make me, is this something to do with my relationship? Am I, am I, am I wrong? Am I just like, what the fuck? Why is my mum popping into my mm. head when I'm having sex and really stewing over it after and actually just to go, it's okay. Like, and to not put such a, a heaviness on it mm. of because it, I knew it would pass. It wasn't on the, the whole for me with the whole duration, but it would pass and it passed through and it'd be whatnot and that'd be done. But I would fixate on that yeah. quick two seconds while she came into my head. What is that about? Yeah, and that stewing on it is going to make it a stronger connection. And what you're going to also do mm. is then go into future sexual experiences thinking, please don't come into my thoughts. Please don't come into my thoughts. Yeah. What you're doing is you're then putting that person kind of pretty up in front in your consciousness yeah exactly (laughs) you're basically it's it's you're kind of almost guaranteeing that they're more likely to be there and then Mm. they if that does happen then you'll give yourself a hard time and then the cycle begins you're likely to do things like try and avoid sex at that point because you don't want that person to be there and that's going to have a negative effect and sex might be something that you're really enjoying and Mm. I think try and just as you said you wouldn't give yourself a hard time about any other time. It's just because there's a connection because they're not a sexual for lots of people. Mm. You know, they're not a sexual person or they were never part of your sex life. Or So it's it's that natural human reaction of, oh, sex. No, it's so uncomfortable. Mm. And we we question so much more when it comes to sex than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, that's the end of the questions. I mean, I could feel like I could sit here and talk to you all day, but more so I can, we can listen more to you and your wonderful, wonderful words. Um, where can the people find you and engage with your work? 
So um, my podcast is The Sexual Wellness Sessions. Each episode is a deep dive into a particular topic of sex. So whether it's grief and sex, desire, erectile dysfunction, um, motherhood and sex, sexual trauma, et cetera, et cetera. And also what I would say is if people do listen and feel like there's an episode that's missing, please reach out and tell me. I, I would love to know what you what you would like to hear. And um, my website is just my name, which is katemoyle.co.uk. And my Instagram is at katemoyletherapy. Well, Kate, thank you so, so much for joining us here today in the Grief Gang podcast. I know, and for me as well, it's definitely helped and definitely broke down some taboos that I didn't think I maybe thought I was struggling with, especially that last one. So really, thank you so, so much. Thanks for tuning in this week. I truly appreciate every single person who listens to the show. By doing so, you're actually helping more people find the show and in turn support themselves. You can keep up to date and become part of the Grief Gang community by following us on social media platforms such as Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and TikTok. Check out our website and blog too. And if you fancy, you can sign up to our newsletter where you will receive regular emails and first to knows on events and workshops. All links for the above are in the episode footnotes. Big love, look after yourself and I will see you next week. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.